Welcome back everyone to episode six of Internal Conflicts. We have a very special guest today. She completed 20 years honorably as an air traffic controller and naval flight officer. She's decorated, she's a glass ceiling shatterer, and she tackled the very difficult task of transitioning from military to the professional civilian sector. Please welcome Linda Maloney, CEO of Women Veteran Speakers. This is when I wish there was like the clapping. <laughs> <laughs> intro. Yay! <laughs> so Linda, can you please tell our listeners a little more about your company, Women Veteran Speakers? So my company, Women Veteran Speakers, uh, we are a speakers agency and we uh, represent women veterans who are speakers, trainers, coaches, and facilitators. The common denominator is they're all veterans whether it's a couple years, 20 years, 30 years, and they have professional businesses as speakers, coaches, trainers, and facilitators. And we are the connector um, for them. We represent them. And our primary clients are corporate uh, colleges and universities, professional organizations, and veteran organizations. That's wonderful. I really awesome. appreciate what you do. Well, it's just a passion of mine. I, I love it. I love enabling those opportunities for women veterans and connecting them um, with uh, clients. And um, we um, represent women all over the country and actually a couple women overseas also. Okay. So I actually had a question for you, speaking about you working with veterans, because like I mentioned to you earlier, I'm in the military and I wish that I had the desire to do the 20 years like you, Linda, but I'm pretty much set on getting out in a couple of years. And so my, my question for you is, I'm a combat arms officer and I was reading your bio on LinkedIn and, and I saw that you were one of the first women serving as a combat aviator. Is that right? Yes. Yes. I um, was flying in the military and I flew in support roles until the combat exclusion law was repealed in 1993 and then I transitioned over to a combat squadron. Okay, okay, so I read that right. So I'm I'm combat arms officer, and my question for you is, when I get out the military, what would be your biggest advice for me transitioning into the civilian sector? Primarily because, as you know, I don't know what kind of skills um, civilian employers would accept for me since, I mean, all I'm trained to do essentially is kill. You know, I'm not in a very technical field that involves like computers and, and stuff like that. So yeah, I just want to know like what advice or feedback you have for me when, when I'm getting ready to get out. Okay, well, thanks for that question. And uh, I get that a lot. I've mentored a lot of people transitioning from the military to the civilian sector. And a lot of times people don't think that their skills that they acquire in the military translate to the civilian sector. And that really is a fallacy because I think our military veterans bring very unique skill sets to the corporate workforce. And I'll give you a couple of examples. Uh, veterans demonstrate leadership under challenging circumstances, as I'm sure you can attest to, um, during times mm -hmm. of both combat and during peacetime. And um, veterans have a mission accomplishment mindset that focuses on specific objectives and on the steps it takes to meet these objectives. And these are things that the corporate and the civilian sector are looking for. Another one is that veterans view themselves as servant leaders. They typically don't put their own needs ahead of 
those that they lead are ahead of the larger organization. So they're very um, team oriented, which I think is very important to um, all different types of organizations and companies. Veterans are known for their focus, their tenacity, their persistence. They understand the concept of accountability, you know, because as leaders, um, and everyone in the military is a leader, whether you're, you know, an E1, an E5, or an O1, or an O5, either an enlisted or an officer, we understand the concept of accountability. And I think that translates to uh, something that's really important when you um, transition into the civilian sector. I think that relates to leadership and leaders um, understand that they're accountable. Another thing veterans understand, I think better than most, that leadership by example is very important. So I think all those, all those things that you learn in the military translate to being a great leader in the corporate and in the civilian sector. But I think where the disconnect is, is that many times military folks, veterans don't realize that. They don't realize that that skill set is so important and it's translatable to the civilian sector. And part of it's a mindset. It's a transitioning of your mindset and also civilianizing your resume. I think a lot of the skills that we learn in the military, you just have to put them in a different format in a resume. Okay. And as far as the civilianizing my resume, I'm definitely trying to get as much help as I can because you're right like all right now I'm just institutionalized in the military to know a bunch of acronyms and and I know that civilian employers wouldn't understand it I think the the biggest takeaway right. that I just took away from everything you said was the team oriented aspect of it you're right I, I think that I'm forgetting right now that even though yeah I'm not learning any technical skills that are exactly translatable into the mil into the civilian world like you said, you know, I'm still leading a group of soldiers and, you know, the words that you use like tenacity and, and just being a leader in general, I, I believe that I'll definitely have a lot to offer to the civilian world. So thank you, Linda, for your advice. Appreciate yeah. it. Sure. So my question for you, Linda, this is Sarah, is uh, with the exception of your lecture about transitioning from military leadership to business leadership, who from your from your talent group? Because I, I was able to look online and, and browse a bit of those wonderful women who offer lectures. Who from that group speaks on transitioning from military to civilian and what have they had to share? So a little bit about our members of Women Veteran Speakers. They all are accomplished leaders. They have, um, there's, they have an array of business, corporate, military, and defense expertise. They offer uh, valuable leadership insights um, and perspectives not available anywhere else. I think, um, you know, they are very unique and they offer quite a varied toolbox of expertise. But back to your question, Sarah, about those specific keynotes uh, about transitioning from military to civilian, I think, you know, one of the things that is very important on transitioning from the military to um, the civilian workforce is, and I, I think you see this a lot with military people getting out and uh, moving into the civilian workforce, is they love to be entrepreneurs and they understand what it is to take 
uh, a concept or an idea and turning it into a successful business. So I think many of our members offer keynotes and workshops on entrepreneurship, which in my opinion is a path of success for many women veterans. It's a great time to be a woman veteran on the path to entrepreneurship. Um, there's so much progress being made in the growth of, of successful women-owned businesses. Um, there was a study that was done, I think it was back in 2015, uh, by the Small Business Association, and they did a study that they presented to Congress that talked about women business ownership, and that's where a lot of our members of my Speakers Bureau, they talk about entrepreneurship and how successful women veterans are in that space. And in that report that they presented to Congress, it focused on women veteran entrepreneurship. And it was interesting because the study that they did, I think it was from 2007 to 2012, there was a rise of over 300% of women veteran-owned businesses. I think that equaled over 380 80,000 businesses uh, that women veterans own. And that is just, to me, amazing. And so a lot of our speaker members talk about entrepreneurship. And I think that is a pathway for women veterans that is very, very successful. So we have several speakers um, that offer workshops, that offer keynotes uh, on entrepreneurship. Yeah, and those, as you know, when you're transitioning from military to the civilian sector, sector, those workshops are very critical because it's definitely a transition. Right. And there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of resources out there. I think um, the internet is just such an amazing resource um, for veterans and non-veterans, especially even like LinkedIn. You know, we talked a little bit earlier about LinkedIn. And I think the veteran space is so wide and varied on LinkedIn. And there's so many opportunities and resources for veterans. I think now, right now is like the best time to be a veteran. And one of the best times to be transitioning from the military to the civilian workforce. And there's so many resources and so much help out there. And, um, I, you know, it, all you have to do is, you know, uh, look a little bit and there's so many things available to help people getting out of the military. I'm not in the military, but I grew up watching our mom in the military. Um, I was able to read some passages from military fly moms, and I wanted to know what advice you would give to moms who want to excel in the military and also cater to motherhood. So, um, you know, that's a great question. And I didn't have start having my kids until I was later in my career. I actually had my first child um, my last tour in the Navy, and I served 20 years. Uh, so I got married later in life, not on purpose. It just kind of worked out that way. And um, But my book, Military Fly Moms, it's, uh, it focuses on women who fly or who have flown. And it talks a lot about um, their experiences in the military, the legacy that they want to pass down to their children, but they all have really different stories. And the book um, highlights 70 women. So the advice that I'd give is that every situation is very different and that you have to take your situation along with your spouse, your significant other, 
and determine what's best for you. Some of the women that I interviewed for the book, they decided to get out of the military when they had children. Others stayed in. Many are dual um, military spouses and they decided to stay in together. And it was, you know, they all said that it was, it was difficult. It's hard, but that it was very important for them to serve in the military. And they utilized, they, you know, they had a, um, there were a bunch of different resources that they utilized. Some uh, utilized in-home nannies. Some of them utilized daycare. Some of them had family that moved in with them. So, I think it's very individual that you have to make the best decision for yourself and for your family. So I would just say figure out what is what is your priority and then go from there. Yeah, I think what what was cool about our mom's situation was that she was in the reserve and she did train a lot and we had a lot of family support. There was even at one point where she was deployed and we were able to have that support from our family. Right. Linda, you mentioned that you got married later on in life, so I actually, I'm actually taking a personal interest in that. So if you don't mind, I have a question for you about getting sure. married while in the, in the military. I kind of just started dating while well, I am dating this guy, um, and he's in the military too. He's active duty officer. We both went to college together, and we're looking at potentially getting married within the next couple years. So I just want to know what advice you have to offer a couple who's getting married, but one person is still going to be in the service. So you both are going to stay in the military, but you had said before that you were going to get out. Right. I'm going to get out and he wants to do 20 years in the military. So right now we just want to make sure that we know what we're getting ourselves into as far as his deployments and his, um, the times that he has to go TDY. We just want to make sure that we're ready when it comes to that. So I was married. I didn't get married until I was 39 and I was on my last tour and my husband was not um, active duty. He um, was a civilian and he, we actually lived in two different states until we got married and then he moved to where my duty station was and it was a lot easier just because he wasn't in the military. But I mean, it's, I think if you have a, a marketable career and you're able to move around because, you know, a lot of times the spouse who is not the military person, if they have to move around with the spouse that's in the military, it's hard on your career, right? And yes. it, for me personally, my husband was able to work from home and so it didn't impact him as much. But I have had experiences with other men and women who have been married to an active duty person and it's hard on your career if you cannot, you know, move your job and then you're starting and stopping with your career. But nowadays I think it's it's such a great opportunity, you know, to work from home and to work remote. And I think there's many more opportunities nowadays than there used to be. Mm, okay. So I think it really depends on your interest. I think it also I think um, offers you a lot of freedom and a lot of flexibility. I'm like, for you personally, Rebecca, if you want to get out, if you wanted to go back to school, I think it off also offers a lot of great opportunities, opportunities to travel. I think it's all how, it's how you look at it too. You know, it's your perspective. Mm, that's true. In Military Fly Moms, Victoria Kane's section, she talks about getting married a little bit after meeting her husband. And I definitely relate to how that series of events unfolds. I mean, it's not uncommon in the military to to meet someone and to be separated and to 
court away from each other and for that relationship to grow in that way and to get married and have kids very quickly so yeah it all I guess it all depends on how much you're willing to adapt to whatever situation that you're in you know and I think well for me personally I'm a pretty independent person and you know my husband travels currently my husband travels quite a bit and I actually I don't I don't mind it when he goes away on travel I think just because I had spent quite a few years on my own and I was pretty independent. And um, so, like, it makes it more exciting for whenever they come home, you know? <laughs> like, the homecoming yeah. is great. Um, yeah. I think, it, I mean, it is different, too, when you start having kids. I think having kids definitely changes everything, you know? So, um, I, I think yeah, that, I um, you know, that changes your perspective and your insight. And um, life is never quite the same after you have kids. Okay, so my question is for your time in, in your combat flying squadron. So after the two female West Point students graduated from Ranger School, the military climate took a pivotal turn. And so I'd like to know what your experience was because you entered into that combat flying squadron before those students graduated from Ranger School and before they received a lot of that feedback and I want to say backlash from America. So what was that like for you being one of the first females in a combat flying squadron? Uh, it was challenging. It was exciting. It was painful at times. Um, it was unexpected uh, in terms of the bright light that was shown on, you know, on women serving. So as I mentioned earlier, I, when I graduated from college, I was on a ROTC scholarship and I got accepted for flight school. And in my flight, school class I was the only woman and um but it was the, but the guys were very supportive it was um a great opportunity I graduated in the top of my class and um but when I graduated from flight school I was unable to um go to the squadron of my choice the aircraft of my choice because typically when you graduate at the top of your class you you know, you get to pretty much pick the um, community that you go to. But since I was um, relegated to a support squadron, there were only a couple of uh, squadrons that I could go to. And then when the combat exclusion law was repealed in 1993, and I went to a combat squadron, it was, it was difficult in a lot of ways. It really comes down to leadership. You know, if the leaders are supportive and then it makes it much easier and you know that just flows down through the ranks in your squadron if they're not um, it makes it very difficult and um, it was just a difficult time period uh, there were a lot of people that were on board with having women in their squadrons but there were also definitely those that were not on board and they made life very difficult and um you know, I, I probably would, I was a lot younger. I probably would have handled it much differently now, knowing knowing what I know now with a little bit of maturity and wisdom. But it was hard living life in a fishbowl. To be honest, the aircraft doesn't know if you're a male or a female. Really, the military is great because it allows a very level playing field. If you're qualified, um, you work hard, you should be given the same opportunities as, as anyone. Those women rangers, I mean, they were qualified. They made it through the training. And, you know, when I transitioned to a um, combat squadron, that was still being, you know, worked out. And um, they, 
and there were difficulties and there were challenges and um but i think the military has come a long way and um i love seeing the young women now flying fighters and attack aircraft and um just achieving everything that they're achieving including those women rangers to be honest i wouldn't um change any of it it really made me who who i am today and I always say that I could never repay the military for the opportunities um, that it gave me. I loved every bit of it, even the challenges and the hard times. I mean, they just provided me so many amazing opportunities, educational, training, professional leadership, just expanded my horizons in terms of you just, you know, every single aspect of my life. And um, I really feel like I'm the person I am today because of the opportunities I was given. I definitely agree with that in my experience coming into the maintenance field obviously it's a male dominant field there had been a bit of a struggle and i like that you mentioned leadership because it does come down to leadership what's important is that the more we rank up in the military the more we just learn how to be good leaders because i have airmen who are under me now and i just take from my poor leadership and i take from my good leadership because i've had i've had really wonderful leaders in maintenance as well who I, I completely model my leadership style after them. And that kind of bridges onto my third question. I have an airman who actually wants to commission and he wants to make sure that his package is pristine. So my question for you is what was the criteria for commissioning when you commissioned? Boy, that was a long time ago. <laughs> so, um, so, I mean, part of it is whatever job you're doing at the time, whatever job you have in the military, whether it's as an E1 or an, you know, an E5, you know, if you want to become an officer, I just think you need to, to do a great job. You need to be professional. Uh, you need to work hard. You need to be a great team player when you're coming up the ranks. You need to do it well. And I think, you know, that's part of your package, obviously. You're getting good evaluations. I think you also need to take advantage of every single training opportunity. And I think that's important, every educational opportunity. You know, the same thing, it's almost like the same thing that I recommend to my kids right now. I have a 12-year-old and a 15-year-old. And we're now starting to look at their resume, basically, because, you know, we're going to be looking at colleges in the near future. And so we're talking about, you know, okay, you need to start volunteering and you need to get, you know, this certification because Mm -hmm. both my kids are swimmers. So, um, you know, they're going to, my one son, my 15 year old just got a lifeguard certification. So I think certifications, I think training, education, evaluations. And then another thing, too, is to get a mentor. I think mentorship is so important for people coming up the ranks. I think as someone who's looking to get their commission, they should seek out someone who could help them with their package. Someone who could come alongside them, provide, you know, recommendation and advice and okay. someone that they respect, someone who's who's doing well in the military, who can help them refine their package. I think the mentorship is very important. I think okay. it's both important for both the mentor and the mentee. And that actually brings me to my last question, which is, would you encourage your children to enlist and why? Um, so I probably would, I want them to go to college. So I always tell them that, uh, 
education ends when they're done with college or that doesn't end, but like, that's the minimum, you know, it is in high school. It's, they have to go to college. And then after, after their um, bachelor's degree, if they want to continue on and get a master's or even further than that, it's up to them. But the minimum is they have to go to college. So I probably would encourage them to, um, at least, you know, get their bachelor's degree. And, and in that respect, they'd become an officer if they came in, but, um, but there's, you know, nothing wrong with being an enlisted member either. I started out as an air traffic controller. I came in the Navy when I was 17 and, um, I rose up through the rank of E5 and then I got an NROTC scholarship. But I do encourage my kids to consider, um, the military. I don't, you know, I, I wouldn't be upset if they didn't decide to join the military, but I'm um, introducing them to all aspects of the military. Um, they're going to um, the Naval Academy this summer for a camp. And so um, I'm encouraging them to at least consider it. I think the military is a wonderful opportunity, whether you stay in for four years or you stay in for 20 years. When I um, talk to young people that say, I don't want to stay in for a career, I don't think you have to. I think if someone wants to stay in for four years and get out and continue their career, I think that's fine too. So I definitely encourage my kids to consider the military. Awesome. Yes, I think that's great. Yeah, because as you know, we, or I think I mentioned to you, Linda, that both of our parents were in the military. Our mom is still in the military, and three out of four of us decided to join. So it just all, I guess it, it, it might vary. They might join, they might not. It's up to them. Yeah, yeah. You want them to do whatever it is that they're passionate about. But I do, I really believe in um, service outside of self, you know, and to consider things outside of your own, you know, um, you know, for them to consider, um, you know, serving in some capacity. And I think the military is an amazing opportunity for that. Yeah, for sure. Do you have any upcoming events that you'd like to share anything for women veteran speakers? So I'm not, um, I, I'm not speaking in the next couple months. I, I tend to, um, promote the women who are in my uh, speakers bureau versus um, myself. So I don't really have anything. If you guys wanted, I could forward some information, but I don't have anything to put on the podcast. That's That's okay. okay. Yeah, you could forward it to us and we can put it on our our podcast Instagram. So that's totally fine. Okay. Okay. Well, Linda, we just want to thank you so much for joining us on our podcast. Um, We're going to bring this to a close now. So, yeah, we just want to thank you and thank you for your advice and your mentorship to not just us, but all women. So thank you, Linda. Thank you very much for having me on the podcast. I look forward to um, interacting with all of you in the future. We just want to tell our listeners to make sure that they that you guys check out Women Veteran Speakers, where I know Linda just said that she doesn't, she won't be speaking for a while, but uh, the other 40 plus amazing women who employ themselves to corporate events and educational events Um, Just make sure you check them out so that you can, you know, get any insight or any wonderful advice that they have to offer. So thank you, Linda. Thank you, Linda. um, We appreciate your words of wisdom. Okay. Thanks a lot for having me. I'll talk to you guys soon. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. I should have asked her how her Easter went.